You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Well, this week we're coming in to week four of our uh, Leading Without a Map series. And my hope for this series was to recognize that all of us are leaders in some way. And maybe you are a uh, kind of defined leader or you have a, a title based off of your work or your involvement in the community. Um, or, or maybe you don't have that specific title, but, but you have responsibility for other people. And because of that, I mean, that's hard enough to do in a regular season. And that becomes increasingly more challenging in a season like this when everything is really just kind of tossed up in the air. Uh, in fact, I, I saw a, a meme this week online, and I, thought like, I feel like it really captured this season well, uh, and I want to share it with you. It kind of describes uh, 2020 like a math problem that goes like this. If, if you were going down a river at two miles per hour and your canoe loses a wheel, how much pancake mix would you need to reshingle your roof? And that pretty much feels like uh, 2020 to me summed up in a math problem, right? I mean, everything just feels like it's been thrown out of the window and, and turned upside down. And so what we've done over the last couple of weeks was to talk about how we lead without a map. And so we, we looked at a couple of things over the last few weeks. Uh, the first week we talked about how it's important to just do the next right thing. And that can be a great starting place. Uh, then after that, we talked about how we can slay the giants. We can find the armor that works for us. And basically we can adapt and do what we're called to do and what works for us, even if that's not exactly uh, the best solution for someone else or if someone else can do kind of life at a better level, right? Uh, last week, we talked about how leaders take a knee and how it's important for us as leaders in these uncertain times to find ways to serve. And a lot of what I've shared over the last few weeks is that when we're not sure exactly what to do kind of in business or in our leadership, it's good for us to refocus our attention on the people who are around us and find ways to care for them. Uh, so this last week, we're going to talk about how uh, it's good to fail, how it's good to fail, and we ought to do it with enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> this feels like a life motto for me, and especially in our life as a new United Methodist Church plant. Um, and so this morning, we're going to look at what that looks like. And one of the things that I've become aware of as we've lived in this season of the pandemic for a long period is I think a lot of us and a lot of businesses and a lot of um, organizations and entities have this idea in the back of their mind, and maybe they haven't said it out loud, but I think all of us think that if we can just crack the code to being successful during COVID, we'll make it. And there has been a lot of energy, myself, yourself, all of us around, into figuring out, well, what are the things, what can I do to be successful? Right? And this just isn't about like us getting ahead. This is, this is real and tangible. We're trying to figure out how can I be successful so that I can earn income to provide for myself and or my family, right? How do I make sure that, that the basic necessities of life I'm able to provide and have, right? I realize that, that for some people, they've, they've found a way, and I know there are some people out there who have found a way to make money during this time, right? And to, to make a lot of it. But I think for most of us, we're trying to figure out how can I just do this successfully so that I can make it. And, and if you notice, I, I italicized the word successful. And I'm going to offer another word for us that I believe as followers of Jesus will help us 
to live differently and will help us to maybe not necessarily answer this question, but to answer a different and even more important question. So we're going to look at this question today, and we're going to talk about how to do this. And what we've seen during this pandemic is Christians are not immune to things going wrong in the world or around us, right? The reality is is that we're business owners, we're managers, we're parents, we're teachers, and we care about those that we're responsible for, and it feels like our success matters because it matters for their life too. And as best I can tell, every single one of us is giving 120%, if not more, every day trying to make it work, right? And sometimes it feels like we're still not making a dent and we're still not moving forward and it's like three steps back and I don't even know if we took a step forward. And this can be very discouraging for us, especially as followers of Jesus as Christians. And, and that can happen for a lot of reasons, but this morning I'm going to talk about one of the reasons why we can get so discouraged when we're trying so hard and we're not getting ahead. And it goes by this name that you probably haven't heard, or, or, or maybe you haven't heard in a long time, and it's called uh, Christian triumphalism. Christian triumphalism. And, and as hard of a word as that is to say, it's based on this, this idea that we have. And some Christians will kind of live this out, and they'll, they'll kind of speak it out. And, and other Christians, we may not say this, but this is how we think. It, let me kind of give some examples, and I want to see if this resonates for anybody else. Uh, that as Christians, we believe that following Jesus will, will elevate us above other people. And what that means is that because we follow Jesus, we will no longer want or need for anything. That we have uh, socioeconomic advantages, or this is the word you've probably heard, socioeconomic favor that has been granted to us by God that we might have the ability to speak or even to claim truth over our lives. Uh, and of course, these would be things that are beneficial to us, that we have the ability to, to speak positive things over our lives. And because we follow God, those things will miraculously come to pass. Uh, this, this idea uniquely assumes that we have a different standing before God than others because of our faith in Jesus. Uh, this also assumes that anything that we put our hand to, any work that we try, will automatically become successful because of who God is. And a lot of times what this assumes is that what God wants for our life is health and wealth and positivity. Now, you may have heard these ideas in other circles and other religions and other um, practices in our life, but they have been a part of, of Christian belief and some groups of Christian belief for a long period of time. It's not just today that we see it. Those, these things have been around at least since the beginning of the faith. It's this idea that because we follow Jesus, we get additional privileges that others don't get. Maybe you've seen it applied in this way. Uh, a lot of people's favorite scripture is, is Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's true, 100%. That's true. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But this gets applied in some really weird ways. It's almost like, um, it almost becomes like, like magic words. Like, 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Abracadabra. And everything around us should automatically start working out. Uh, We automatically should have our jobs back, our health back. And all of a sudden we find ourselves getting ahead of other people. And maybe in your mind you can think of examples of, of when you've seen this or Let's be honest, examples in our own life of when we've expected to see this. Like, God, I'm a, I'm a follower of yours. I don't understand why, why these things are happening to me. And maybe there's even places in the Bible where we can look to and say, well, it seems like in this example here, that, or this passage here, that that's true. That's why it's important for us to always read passages like Philippians 4.13 in a context we have to read the passages before and the passages after because it gives it a home and it tells us the setting. For example, the problem with this idea that Christians have a special status over others in the world is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is the problem here. You see, Paul is one of the primary characters in the book of Acts. Most of that book is about his, his life and his call And Paul does have a special call to go and to share the good news of the gospel with others. In fact, Paul is the author of 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Most of our New Testament is written by Paul. And there's a few books in here where maybe that was him, maybe it was someone writing on his behalf. But he is the author of most of the New Testament. And for many of us, Paul becomes an example of of how to live our faith in Jesus. We we read scriptures and it's like he's inside our head understanding what we struggle with and then giving us a way forward. And he's an apostle of God who was called to proclaim the gospel to the known world at that time. And yet, here's what Paul experienced. He had delays and interruptions and more failed plans than we could count. He often found himself in prison, not just like once, like a lot. He was often imprisoned. He had to get a side job to make enough money sharing the gospel. He was a tent maker. He he made tents. So I think some of us can probably relate to having to get a side hustle to provide for maybe the loss of income that we don't have or for a job that we do have that isn't quite able to help us make everything that we need. Paul had to get a side job. Paul was shipwrecked in the process of doing the very things the Lord called him to do. And a lot of his plans were postponed and put off through no fault of his own. own. In fact, from time to time, he was even prevented by Satan from visiting particular places. He was prevented from visiting the church in Thessalonica. That's the book of Thessalonians. He was not well regarded by other Christians, and in particular by a lot of other Christian leaders. And at one point, he was at least rescued from being killed while in Judea, but that didn't keep him from being beaten and imprisoned by others. Now you see, the problem with this idea that God kind of makes everything a smooth path before us is Paul, right? And if ever there was a Christian of Christians, it was him. But it wasn't because he believed in God that he was favored over others. In fact, he didn't have special powers and he didn't have special access to God that others didn't have. 
and God's plans and purposes for his life did not exclude him from having trouble in his finances, from having trouble in his health, and from having trouble in finding the green pastures and the green grass in life. But I want to show you the secret to how Paul understood his life and what was happening around him. And it comes to us this morning from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7 through 12. Uh, So I'll put it up there on the screen, but I want to read this to you this morning. Paul writes, But we have this treasure in clay pots, so that the awesome power belongs to God and doesn't come from us. We're experiencing all kinds of trouble, but we aren't crushed. We are confused, but we aren't depressed. Okay, maybe we're a little depressed. We're harassed, but we're not abandoned. We are knocked down, but we're not knocked out. We always carry Jesus' death around in our bodies so that Jesus' life can also be seen in our bodies. We who are alive are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that life can also be seen in our bodies that are dying. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And, I mean, there's, there's a lot here. One of the things about Paul's writing is that it's dense. It's not quite as, um, as easy to grasp a hold of as the parables of Jesus. Jesus lays things out very clear. Paul makes things really dense, right? Um, and, and so he gives us these ideas that we have trouble but we're not crushed. We're confused, but we're not depressed. We're harassed, but we're not abandoned. And and I want to put an asterisk on these to say that if we do feel crushed and if we are experiencing depression or we do feel abandoned, that these are all very real things to feel. And the point that Paul is trying to say is not that these things don't exist because they do, and our personal experience tells us that it does. Paul is simply saying that all these things that I'm feeling around me are real and they're valid. And the things that you're feeling and experiencing right now, the stressors that you have, are real and they're valid. And what Paul wants to invite us to consider is maybe a different perspective. Because a lot of times this perspective would tell us that if things aren't going right in our life, that if we do have trouble and if we are confused and if we do feel harassed or abandoned or depressed or crushed, that maybe God has left us. And that's not the case at all. Not one bit. You see, for us as Christians, the question may not be how can we successfully crack the code to become successful in this time, but the question, the answer for us is we can crack the code to being faithful during COVID. We can crack the code to being faithful. And and I've said many times that faithfulness to God is different than success in the world. We can be faithful to God and be successful in the world, and we can also be faithful to God and be unsuccessful in the world. And those two things are not necessarily linked together, and it's good for us to unlink those because oftentimes in faith it's been taught that success equals faithfulness and faithfulness equals success, and that's, that's simply not true. Simply not true. Paul tells us that we are like clay pots, Uh, and clay pots break. 
In fact, I dropped one this week, one of those clay pots. I dropped one this week, and it wasn't even a large drop. It just kind of, the thing tipped over, and it cracked. And Paul is reminding us that, that we are human, and that maybe we can't crack all the codes because we're not omnipotent, and we're not all-powerful, and we are not God. You know, that our lives are temporary. There's a beginning, and this is hard for us, but there's also an end. And we live a lot of times thinking that we're invincible or that we ought to be invincible. But the good news to us is that our lives are like clay pots. And like Paul, God fills it with a mission and purpose and value and gives value to our lives. But that doesn't make us immune from the things that happen around us. He's got this kind of odd phrase here that we carry Jesus' death around in our bodies so that Jesus's life can also be seen in our bodies. That sounds gross, doesn't it? That doesn't sound very appealing at all. Here's what I hear him saying to us. This is in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, so a little bit later. It's not on the screen, but verses 9 through 10. This is the Lord speaking to Paul. God says, my grace is enough for you. When was the last time that we realized that God's grace is enough for us. Because God's power is made perfect in weakness, not in success. So that I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. And Paul did. Paul spent a lot of time making sure people knew, I am human. All the good things that you might see, the miracles, the things that do go right, these are not me. These are God at work in and through me. But it's not me. I'm the vessel. I'm the clay pot. And you are the clay pot. This is so countercultural and so radical. I want to read it again. My grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. If you get nothing else from today, I want to invite you to just meditate on that truth today. God's power is made perfect in weakness. I mean, that idea alone runs counter to so much that we see and hear in our world today. There are so many who are grasping desperately for power and authority and control. And the scripture tells us that power is made perfect in weakness. And that really undermines a lot of what we see, that if I'm a Christian, all things should go right at all times. No, because life happens, right? And God doesn't prevent things from happening that are bad in the world. We have free will choice. And that's hard and that's challenging. But Paul orients his life around these truths, that he is human and not infinite, but God is. And that while he may not have the measures of success in his life that he thought he should have at that time. He was trying to simply live his life faithful to God, which meant adopting the attitudes and the ethics of Jesus. I kind of wrote this out into a formula this week. So if you are more scientifically inclined, I want to offer you an if-then formula. Do you remember those? Here's the formula. If Jesus suffered in his mission in life, and he did, and if Paul sought to continue the mission of Jesus, then 
Paul would likely experience suffering too. Do you track with that? If Jesus suffered in his life because of his mission from God, and Paul seeks to continue that mission, then Paul will also likely encounter suffering in this world. But if the power of God is in Jesus, let me give you a second formula now. If the power of God was in Jesus, and as a follower of Jesus, the power of God is also in Paul, then Paul will also find the power of God at work in him in times that are hard. As followers of Jesus, we can expect to experience the things that Jesus did. And Jesus' life wasn't an example of health, wealth, and prosperity and everything always going right. He ended up on the cross. He ended up being beaten because of the stands that he took for God's behalf. Right? And because he sought to live his life with a particular ethic and attitude that was so challenging to others that they simply had to put him to death. And yet God raises Jesus from the dead. So we can expect that in the same thing too, that in the very worst of the worst of life, that God is able to raise us back to life. This is why Paul can say, when I am weak, then I am strong. It's not because of Paul's wisdom or his ability or his social standing or his strength to overcome the challenges, but it's only because of Christ in him. Right? It's not the clay pot that does anything. It's the water and the soil and the light. Paul was well aware of the fragility of his body, the temporal nature of things, but he was also very aware of the power of God that held him and all things together. And this is the grace of God, working in and through him to help him to live in the example of Jesus. So, so here's the thing. Here's the bottom line. Paul failed a lot, right? Paul's plans changed a lot. Paul suffered a lot. Paul did not fully realize in his lifetime the impact that he would have. When he was writing those letters to those churches, he was just trying to fix the problems that they were going through and the infighting that they had. He had no idea that that would become a significant portion of what we call our Christian scriptures right? He had no idea that his name would be mentioned alongside Jesus in most churches most every week around the world for the next 2,000 years. Had no idea. Instead of worrying about his success, he simply put his focus on what it meant to be faithful to God and to live his life for Jesus. And that often put him at odds with others and put him in challenging situations and I'm aware that there are many of of you who have sought to live your life for God and for Jesus, and that has put you at odds with others and put you in challenging situations. But seek to be faithful, even if it doesn't always mean success. And when things aren't successful in your life, as they probably don't feel right now, know that we can still be faithful to God. Being faithful in the little things with God is not a recipe that automatically bakes up for us the good life. But what it does for us is reminds us that God is with us always and that there is a power that is in you and I that is greater than all the powers that are at work in the world. In fact, I want to offer you uh, one last scripture for this morning. 
and it comes from 1 John 4. You are from God, little children. And by the way, he's not just talking to the kids in the room, right? He's talking to us as children of God, you, right? You are from God, little children, and you have defeated these people because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And that's good news. And we need some good news for this week. So may that truth bury itself deep down in your soul and may you believe and know that God is with us no matter what. Let's take... Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.